Can we share? Can we share? We can share. Okay. Sharing is caring. Oh, sharing is fun. Thinking us together. Be kind to everyone. You're so sweet, Unley. Can we share? Hmm. We can share. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to a new episode of Hot Marriage Cool Parents. It's just me today. I am your host, Jamie Otis. Typically, my husband, Douglas Hayner, is on with me, but we have been navigating life with COVID and basically working and trying to keep our heads above water, which is I'm sure what everybody is doing. But uh, he's working now and the kids are settled. So I'm going to chat with you. And then as soon as he's done working, we're going to bring on two amazing guests today. The guests we have for you today are Sean Johnson East and her husband, Andrew East, and they are a power couple. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard about Sean Johnson East, but she is a gold medal winner from the Olympics for gymnastics. She is so, so incredible. And then her husband, Andrew East, he's also equally as incredible. He's a college athlete turned NFL player. So they're super, super cool. They have so many cool things to share with us. But before we even get into that, you know what we always do? We always give you guys a shout out for the five-star reviews. And on September 28th, Fun Nest Nursey Poo said, all the love. Thank you, Jamie and Doug, for letting us into your lives for all the happy, sad, and vulnerable parts. It's so refreshing to see real lives in the spotlight instead of the Instagram perfect families we are always surrounded with. Seeing real people dealing with real things helps us all feel like we are a little less alone. I have an almost three-year-old daughter and a just-turned-five-month-old son, and I'm a postpartum nurse, so it's great to see the parallels in our lives. That is, like, uncanny because I am a labor and delivery nurse. I have a three-year-old daughter and a almost-turning-five-month-old son. So, yeah, we definitely have a lot of parallels. And thank you so much for just giving us all the love. I feel like everybody needs a little bit more love these days. But for real, though, like COVID in the length that it's been here, it has just made all of us a little cuckoo. And I feel like with now having to homeschool your kids and thank God, you know, we're fortunate that Henley is not even school age. So we really lucked out with that. But like for those of you who have to try to teach your kid chemistry or something, I mean, (laughs) I don't even know where or how you'll ever begin because I mean, I don't even know chemistry. Like, I don't know how I would teach. I'd be like, can you teach me? (laughs) I don't know how they do it. But something that I wanted to talk about before we have Andrew and Sean on is about body positivity because it's something that's really been on my heart lately. I obviously had my son about four months ago and you know, with Gracie, I definitely kind of quote unquote bounced back. And I didn't even think I did at the time. I was definitely still like 20 pounds heavier than I had been when I got pregnant, but I could still squeeze into my bigger jeans. And I don't know, I still look small. I mean, I'm a very, very small framed girl. So for me, like 120 pounds is like, well, 120, 125 is like my normal weight. And if you saw season one, that's like, just like my normal weight. And so now I'm 165 to 170 pounds and it's just significantly larger than I've ever been in my whole entire life. And I definitely think that if I was younger, I would be in a very, very unhealthy spot mentally because of it. I mean, I 
do not even come close to squeezing into any of my pre-pregnancy jeans. I don't even fit into like dresses. Like that was like my go-to after having Henley is I would just throw on some maxi dresses and no one would really be able to tell. And I could fit into like the biggest size jeans, but now I can't even like squeeze a leg into like the biggest size jeans. And quite frankly, I am like really, really thankful for the fact that I have been able to just kind of learn how to love myself between since having Gracie and this moment now with Hendrix, because if I was this big after Gracie, I would probably be in a downward spiral. I mean, I had wanted to be that way. I was well aware that like things change and shift once you have a baby and after you have a baby. And I remember being on Caitlin Bristow's podcast. And if you don't know her, she was a bachelorette. She's actually currently on Dancing with the Stars. Love her. She's so sweet. And I remember being on her podcast. This was right after I had Henley. And I just remember like saying, listen, if I don't lose the baby weight immediately, like who cares? It doesn't matter. But then even though I could say it, like I didn't feel it on the inside. Like I was trying so hard to give myself that grace and to let myself just be. But deep down inside, it still bothered me when I looked in the mirror and I saw like, you know, a postpartum belly and a little bit of a little extra cellulite. And soon after that, I like put myself on a diet and I still wanted to be proud of my body, but I just wasn't as proud as I could have been. And so now fast forward to like three years later and I'm like the biggest I've ever been and I don't fit into any of my clothes. And I'm also struggling with postpartum depression. I mean, there's not a doubt. I mean, just to be completely frank and transparent, I guess, I didn't get out of my bed until 1230 today. I don't know what it is. Like sometimes I just can't get out of bed. It, like I went to bed, you know, at a decent hour last night. And I, of course, had to wake up to nurse Hendrix twice. And then this morning when I woke up to nurse him, thank God Doug is stellar. He got Henley ready for school and she's in nursery school. He got her ready for school and I nursed Hendrix. And then I just like snuggled with him a little bit and I fell back asleep and I just couldn't open my eyeballs. Like I just begged Doug to just watch Hendrix so that I could just close my eyeballs just a little bit longer because I was just so, I can't explain the feeling of the fatigue. Like I'm just, my whole body is exhausted and I don't know why. And I feel like, you know, I'm trying to eat healthier. I haven't really been exercising at all, which I think that that, I know that that will help me. And like I said, it's not because of weight, but I, just for mental health, I do think that like exercising helps release those endorphins. But I do need to get back to that because it does really help. But man, I have just been struggling. And with all that being said, the point of this message is that one thing that's not bothering me is my weight. Like I, I just like don't even give a crap. But I want to be able to share with others how I got to this point of even though I struggle with depression, even though I'm bigger than I've ever been, I can't fit into any of my clothes. I genuinely don't care about how big I am right now. I really believe that if you are able to love yourself as is, with every single flaw, when you look in the mirror and you see a stretch mark or you see cellulite or you see a scar and you don't like it or hair or whatever the case may be, acne, if you look in the mirror and you see that and you don't like it, I'm telling you that that is not helping you change it. And so if your biggest goal is to get rid of the scar, the stretch mark, the acne, the hair, the cellulite, whatever it might be, Hating yourself for it is not helping you get rid of it in any way, shape, or form. And maybe it's something that you can't get rid of. I mean, scars don't just disappear. Stretch marks don't just disappear. So maybe it's something that you can't easily just get rid of. But either way, hating yourself for it or looking down in disgust at your belly or at your legs or at your thighs, 
I mean, that's not going to make it disappear. And so that was the first thing that I came to realize is that just because I don't like the way I look, well, that does nothing for me, literally. Like if anything, it puts me in a huge slump. It makes me even more depressed. And quite frankly, when I'm depressed, I tend to eat. And then, you know, and then that only adds on to like the issue. And it's just a terrible, vicious cycle that I don't want anyone to be a part of. And what's really made me, I think, a bit more aware of all of this is that my daughter, Henley, is now of age age to kind of like catch, like she picks up on everything. Like she will catch on for sure. If I look down and say I'm fat, she will catch on if I think I should be on a diet and all these things. And the reason that I know this is because my mom was like that. And I love my mom. God bless my mom. She tried her absolute best with five children in a very, very abusive relationship. But one thing that happened when I was growing up over and over and over again with my mom is that she hated the way she looked. She's never been confident and the way she looks, she's never felt beautiful, which is really, really sad. And as a kid, I would see her kind of like hating on herself a lot. Like she would always ask me if the outfit made her look fat, if like her cellulite was super visible, she would put a bathing suit on and say like, does this cover my, like she has like this roll kind of from, I don't know, for those of you who've had a C-section, you know, it's harder to get rid of that mom pooch. My mom, I had it. And you know, she would just try to find things to hide it and disguise it. And, you know, with hair, she was always, you know, shaving her legs and making sure if, like if she was hairy, she would try to hide that. And all these things just like implanted their roots in me. And I guess like me saying this isn't like my mom's bad. My mom grew up with like Vogue magazine and like, you know, the skinniest of skinny women bracing the covers. And like that was beautiful. And that was the only thing that they could see is beautiful because that was all the media let out and all of it's airbrushed. Meanwhile, the skinniest of skinny models is still have cellulite. They just airbrush that ish out, which I feel like I'm so thankful to have gone through this because it's really helped me be hyper aware for Henley, for Gracie. One time I do not want her to hear me say, does this make me look fat? Or I don't want to eat that. I'm on a diet or, you know, how many calories are in this? I'm counting my calories. I really don't want her to even ever be exposed to that because I know what it does to your head as a kid. Like you instantly look down and think, should I be on a diet? Do I have cellulite? Am I fat? You just can't help it. So I think that the biggest thing for me is to kind of break down the cycle of negative body image and to try to like build healthier, wholesome habits where you can actually love yourself. And the first step is truly to look at your flaw and to think to yourself, I love you. And a lot of people are asking me, well, how did you get to that point where you're so confident? Hi, Gracie. Gracie just walked in. Did you have fun at the park? Yeah. What did you do? I was playing and it got higher. You went on the swing? My mommy came my Becky. Where's Becky? You better go find Becky. That's her baby doll. Yeah. Okay, baby. Mommy has to finish chatting with her friends, okay? I don't even know where I was at. Uh, so I threw it out on Instagram. Like, If there was anything that you would want to change about yourself, what would it be? And I got a lot of feedback. And I'm going to share that with you. But the first thing I want to say is that one of the number one questions I get is how did you become this body positive, even though you're depressed, even though you're bigger than ever? Like, how are you so confident? And honestly, the answer to that is that I literally struggle every single day, just like everybody else. But instead of kind of going down that rabbit hole of all the things that make me feel ugly, I just look at those and I just kind of thank them. Like I look at my cellulite and I'm just like, thank you for being there. And I love you. And I like rub it. And I know that sounds so corny, but I'm telling you, if you look in the mirror, if you just stand in the mirror naked, and this is so vulnerable. And honestly, the first time I did this, I definitely cried, but like just stand in the mirror naked and like, look at 
whatever you perceive as your flaw and just kind of like love on it, like rub it and look at it and say, I love you and do this every single day. And eventually you will start to love yourself as is. And I'm telling you, when you begin to love yourself as is, those quote unquote flaws that you have kind of slowly disappear, whether it's like in your head or not, it definitely disappears. And let me tell you that if I wasn't doing this, like, so let's say say that the issue is weight, because I feel like that's a lot of people's issues. They don't like the cellulite. They don't like their postpartum body. They don't like the way that their clothes don't fit the same way that they did when they were in high school and things like that. But when has hating on yourself ever helped you? Like, just ask yourself that. Like, when has saying, you know, you're so fat and ugly or like, God, I can't even fit into my clothes or ugh, like all I have is yoga pants. That's all that's going to fit me. When has that ever helped you feel more confident? Really like never, right? So why even bother having that internal dialogue anymore? Like why? Like it's pointless. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't make the pants magically fit. It doesn't make you magically lose the weight. It doesn't make the cellulite magically disappear. So may as well just stop that conversation and at least feel good about yourself because it's not like it's going to change tomorrow anyways. So I think that for me, the biggest kicker and the thing that you can do to try to help yourself love yourself right now as is, is to just look in the mirror and whatever flaws that usually like repel you kind of gravitate towards it and just try to be comfortable with it. Try to look at yourself and love on yourself. Um, a few of the other things that kind of came in that I wanted to just throw out there just because I feel like a lot of us feel alone with our issues with our body. The other day I threw it out on Instagram. Like I said, like what bothers you about who you are right now or like being body positive? How is it difficult for you to stay body positive? And here are some of the responses I got. And I hope that this helps you feel less alone with whatever it is that you're struggling with. So here we go. Clothes not fitting the way they used to. Feeling like I am thinner than I look. Then I get a glimpse of myself and it surprises me, as in she thinks she's fatter than she realized. Uh, Seeing myself for the size I actually am. Body dysmorphia sucks. My umbilical hernia is my biggest insecurity. I developed it while delivering my firstborn. It's hard when all of my clothes feel tight. Comparing my size and myself to everyone in the room every single time. And then another girl says, not comparing even to a former self of what I used to look like. Giving myself grace. Media is projecting what is beautiful. Loving my postpartum body as it is. I had a C-section and my belly pouch is different. We were just talking about that. When my clothes stop fitting the same, it's so upsetting. Being scared to love who I am without people looking at me wrong. I am paralyzed due to domestic violence. Jeez Louise, that's terrible. Seeing myself in pictures, also knowing my body is keeping me from dating. My body constantly changing because of pregnancies when already overweight. Comparing myself to my two beautiful sisters. So I feel like the common theme behind all of this, if you've caught on, is that people are basically just comparing themselves to one another, to people they see on Instagram, to people they see in the media or on TV. And comparison is genuinely the thief of all joy. But that being said, that's exactly why lately on my Instagram page, I have been sharing exactly what my legs look like. Even with a filter, you'll see my cellulite. And the reason being is that I want to try to put out a little bit more body positivity. You know, I want people to realize that, you know, even people who are on TV, even people who are considered influencers or people with a following, like we have issues too. 
Another tip that I have for you is be careful of who you're following on Instagram or in just in life in general. So if you're surrounding yourself, whether it be through your media or your entertainment, magazines, TV shows, Instagram, Facebook, podcasts, whatever it may be, if you're following only a certain style and look, so like the Instagram models and I don't know, real housewives where they're like literally all buttoned up all the time, you're only exposing yourself to people who have money to be able to correct what society sees as flaws. So for example, saggy boobs, cellulite, you know, bigger size, you know, they are able to get like a liposuction and things like that. They're able to literally alter their image with the money that they have. And not all of us have access to that or want to do that for that matter. But the thing is, is you're immersing yourself into this world that isn't really realistic for the average Joe. And so for people like you and me, we aren't able to just go get liposuction because we have a big belly, you know? I mean, quite frankly, I don't even want to, but maybe you would have want, you know, anyways, we're not going to know that. So just be careful with what kind of media and people that you're surrounding yourself with, because that absolutely plays a role. And inevitably you can't help but compare yourself, but maybe you can, maybe it's not, oh, she's skinnier than I am. So therefore she's prettier than I am. Maybe it's, wow, she has a really cool personality and I love it. And I have a really cool personality too. And she loves it. And we're a great pair rather than it has to be about body images. So that's another tip I would have is definitely don't compare yourself to others, but also don't expose yourself only to people who you see as quote unquote perfect. I mean, there are lots of different body positive accounts on Instagram that you can find. There's different shows to watch. Like you don't have to watch only the shows with all these 20 year olds who have beautiful little bodies on the beach. You know, I feel like that's what the majority of TV is when it comes to reality TV and things of that nature. It's actually not, but I hope that was really, really helpful for each of you guys as far as body positivity. I am developing a course right now on body positivity and how to just love yourself as is. And inevitably, if you love yourself as is, whatever that perceived flaw is, is going to disappear, whether it does in actuality or whether it does in your brain, either way, it is going to disappear and you're going to genuinely learn to look in the mirror and like yourself. I promise you that. Like that is the goal that I have for each and every single one of you who are listening who struggle with this because I know what it's like. I mean, I've been there myself and, you know, it's, it's no fun, but there's no need for it and it is absolutely able to be fixed and you can heal from it. So I'm excited to launch this body positivity program soon. I'll definitely keep you in the loops with that, but I'll be sharing more about it on my Instagram page, Jamie and Otis, if you want to, you know, follow me there and I'll for sure help you with that. But yeah, before we get into our guest, Doug is just finishing up work, so he's going to be hopping on with us. Okay, I'm here. Uh, before we get to Andrew and Sean, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Native Deodorant. Jamie and I both believe that reading labels is key. We do it with everything from the food we buy to Jamie's beauty products, even through deodorant, which is really what got her into Native. And from my point of view, it smells great, but it's actually made better. It's made with ingredients you heard of like coconut oil, shea butter, tapioca stark. There's no aluminum. More importantly, though, Native is really taking on the Plastic Free by 23 Movement, which is their initiative that aims to provide sustainable packaging options for all of their products by the end of 2023. And the Plastic Free deodorant will be available in five different scents for men and women, coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, charcoal and citrus and herbal musk. 
I got to say that I love when Jamie wears the coconut and vanilla. It is absolutely sexy, absolutely delicious, but more importantly, it actually works as a really effective deodorant. And we love Native. And right now you can go to nativedeo.com slash HMCP or use the promo code HMCP at checkout to get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash HMCP. Or again, use the promo code HMCP at checkout for 20% off your first order. nativedeo.com slash HMCP. Now enough about our fresh smelling armpits. Let's get right to Sean and Andrew. All right, guys. So today we have two special guests on the podcast, and we've actually had them on before. They're YouTube stars, athletes, hosts of the podcast, couple things, and they're parents to the most adorable baby girl. And this power couple truly does it all. Andrew is a college athlete turned NFL player turned successful entrepreneur and host of the podcast Redirected. And his wife, Sean Johnson East, is an Olympic gold medal gymnast and Dancing with the Stars champ. And they are our incredible guests on this week's podcast. They got engaged in 2015 and were married a year later. And last year, they welcomed their beautiful daughter, Drew Hazel East. We have so much to talk about. You guys are probably the busiest couple I've ever had the chance of getting to know. I mean, you guys are literally doing it all. So thank you so much for taking the time out to come out on the podcast. Hey, we always enjoy talking with you guys. So thanks for having us on. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. So first things first, I know that it's been almost a year now since you guys had Drew, right? And I think I just saw that she took her first steps recently, right? Well, she's 11 months old and I swear she started trying to walk at like eight months. It was way, way too early and <laughs> baby proofing was like a serious thing. So when do we have her start to do handstands and cartwheels? Doug, do you know how to do handstands or cartwheels? I could actually do a front handspring and a backflip into a pool. Whoa. Can you really, Doug? I don't know. Don't take him seriously. I've never seen it. 100%. I'd love to see that. He's trying to one-up you, Sean. I don't know. (laughs) Is this how we're going to make friends? Well, no. The reason why I'm asking is because I've gotten Henley to start hitting off a tee. I started putting a basketball in her hand. I'm guaranteed to try to do the same with our son, Hendrix. And I'm just curious if you see that in your kid's future, kind of following the path of both of you. Um. I don't know. I absolutely love gymnastics and we love football, but I kind of just want her to decide, you know? I'll put her in it. I'll put her in everything, but... That's such a good mom answer, isn't it? That's like literally (laughs) the perfect mom answer. Uh, Sean, curious, are you hesitant at all to have her follow your footsteps? Because I know that, you know, you have been very open and honest about just a bit of, I don't know, body dysmorphia and just like the stress and the diets that you had to be on to be an Olympic medalist and all of that. Are you nervous at all for her to follow in your footsteps? Like a million percent. I feel like there's so many different things that cause me to be hesitant with her following in my footsteps. Not all negative. I feel like a really great part of children, like learning is learning to fail and learning to make mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And I feel like in gymnastics, it's such a small community that nobody would allow her to be bad at it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I feel like there's truly nobody in the country that can coach her. And I could walk through the door to take her to practice and then be like, oh, she's going to be a great gymnast. Like that pressure on a kid is too much. And that scares me. Yeah. I don't want that. Is that your way of saying that Andrew has to take her to gymnastics practice all the time then? Obviously, yes. Every (laughs) single time. 
No, and I totally get that. I mean, I can't imagine what you had to go through. I just read an article where you said that your coach was actually amazing and you felt like when you were growing up, it was just for fun. But I'm sure that there was a point that that switched when people were actually seeing your potential that you could become a gold medalist. Did that ever happen for you? Like, what was your experience that does make you so hesitant for Drew? Um, Honestly, the only thing that makes me hesitant is like, yes, it switched. But again, I was really lucky to have a coach that he made it his priority to keep it fun for me my entire career I think the thing that makes me hesitant outside of just I want her to be her own little human being and not have to feel like she's in the shadow of anyone um I think it goes for like every sport I think there's a lot of things that I went through as far as like like you said body dysmorphia and eating disorders and the pressures of having you know the world on your shoulders and wearing the red white and blue and girl drama and everything I hesitate to put her in gymnastics because of that but I think I would be naive to say that that doesn't happen everywhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. And on that note, I do kind of want to touch on body dysmorphia and eating disorders because I feel like you're not alone in that. And I mean, so many, not even just girls, little boys as well, grow up and we just live in a society where we see airbrushed figures all over in magazines, but now also in social media and kids are taking part in Instagram and Facebook. I never had it as a kid. So the fact that they even have it at all, it's almost kind of sad because inevitably they compare themselves to the filters and the angles that are flattering to some. What do you have to say for not even just kids, but just women in general or men in general who are struggling with eating disorders or body dysmorphia? Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like what I would say to children is so much harder than I would say to adults because I feel like the reason why I struggled so much as a kid was you just don't have the mental capacity yet to understand why you think the way you do and why you compare. And for me, I developed eating disorders as a kid because in gymnastics, I knew that if I was lighter in gymnastics, I would slip higher and things would be easier. But as a you know 13-year-old kid, writing out a nutritional program and understanding macronutrients and caloric intake versus burn doesn't make any sense. So right. it's like, if I eat less, I weigh less, you know, that means I do better. Right. So for a kid, it's like an understanding and educational thing. Um, for adults and tweens and teens and everyone, this sounds cliche, but you are truly made who you are for a reason. You are made to look different. Not any of us are made to look the same. Not any of us are made to wear the same exact size or wear the same exact makeup. Like we are truly unique individuals and our world is pushing us to all fit into, you know, one size and one box and that's false. And I think you just have to like accept that and celebrate it instead of see it as a negative. A thousand percent. Couldn't agree more. I think that's such great advice. While we're on this topic of the world and their opinions and how they have an impact on you. I mean, we all know how nice people are on social media all the time. And I know that we dealt with some of this as we were just kind of sharing as new parents, the growth of Henley and now even with Hendrix, the dealing with kind of mommy shamers and daddy shamers. How do you handle that as parents? Especially being in the spotlight as much as you are. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of opinions that you get in your inbox on a daily. Yeah, I think our strategy is to not try to shield or act like it isn't there as much as it is to prepare. And so Sean and I were actually discussing this the other day. And she said, look, we have a social media for our child. 
we don't know if that's the right decision or the wrong decision. We put a lot of thought into that, though. And our reason for doing so is, like, this is a large part of the world we live in, and it's hard to avoid unless you're really trying to live under a rock. And so let's start teaching her self-confidence. Let's start teaching her, you know, how to be strong in who she is so that when she hears these dissenters, whether it's on social media or at school or elsewhere, that she's ready for it. And she knows that she has a confidence and the knowledge to be able to say, hey, you know what, that's an accurate criticism of me or that's an inaccurate criticism of me. And the same goes for praise, really, where it's like, you know, you don't want to listen to unfounded praise or criticism. And so we're just trying to really teach her to listen to the community of people that actually matters and filter out the rest. Yeah, I think it kind of falls into, you know, just almost teaching kids how to deal with criticism. What is healthy criticism? What is constructive criticism? And what is kind of the troll type criticism? I know for us, it was, you know, if we're going to read all of the good stuff that's being posted about us, we have to also read all the bad stuff. And then kind of we consulted with each other before we would respond to it. And usually one of us was all fired up and the other one was just like, yeah, it's just one person. Um, But I think, like you said, you don't want to ignore it. You want to teach how to overcome it. And I think that's a very, very important lesson for anybody because there are going to be people out there that will just try to get a rise out of you. And, you know, kids are a perfect target but also it's a way for you to teach. And I think that that lesson and and helping the kids grow up and be nice people and learn how to handle that, I think is really, really healthy as parents. And I commend you for that. I know that you guys had said that you are currently trying to conceive. I think you said that when we were on your guys' podcast. Are you guys currently trying to conceive your second baby? Uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> okay. Unload. It, sound, it sounds like you're not not trying. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, we, we've pulled the goalie per se. There you go. All right. So, Enough so, said. No. That's really exciting. I feel, I feel like you'll understand this. I feel like I mentally don't want to say, oh, we're trying because I don't... Want it to seem clinical? I, I don't want to put myself in the position where we get a year down the road and it's like, oh, we've been trying for a year and it hasn't happened. I'm like already protecting my heart because of everything you go through as a mom that I'm like, oh, no, we're not trying. We're just, you know, playing around. And then six months down the road, we'll start trying. I, it sounds dumb, but it's just, I think, an emotional protectant. I a thousand percent understand because I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I was like, oh, you know, you get married, you have a kid. And then when you want your second kid, I had like the dates. I was like, I'm going to be this old when I have my first and then this old when I have my second. And then you actually get married and you try to have a kid. And as you know, it's just not that easy. I know that you guys suffered, you know, with your first pregnancy, you suffered a loss. And fortunately now you have sweet Drew, but I totally get it. Like it's scary. It is. And I feel like it never gets easier, which is funny. Yeah. And it's like, oh, once I have our kid, it'll be fine. I won't be worried. But then you have a child. You're like, oh, my gosh, this child all day, every day that they're going to something's going to go wrong. Uh, So It never gets easier, but it's always worth it, obviously. One piece of advice that I would have and how we kind of came about having our second baby is we had sex every single day. And I think that's important (laughs) for people to know. Yeah, and then we got pregnant and I'm never had sex again. Andrew, you know? <laughs> Doug, you're nonstop with the jokes, man. <laughs> I know it's tough for me to sit back and let too much 
soft space go by, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's uh, but it's actually true. We did have sex. Well, uh, to your point, we started trying and it took us like month after month. And so then I started getting a little bit more serious and like actually taking tests and ovulation. And I mean, I'm like, why is it still, I mean, at this point we're like a year in, we had had two losses and I was like, are we going to be able to have a child again? And you're right. Like if you put it out there that you're trying, there's, there is like a time frame, and you're like, I've been trying now for three months, four months, five months. And it starts to get a little disheartening uh, towards the end. I mean, it was almost like clinical. I was like, I am ovulating. We have to have sex every single day. Like, come on, let's like make this happen. Wait, you guys actually were having sex every single day. Not like the whole entire month, but you know, that peak that you're ovulating and you know that you can get pregnant in. Like, I mean, it was literally clinical and like scientific. Not for me. Not for me. It wasn't. <laughs> Doug seemed, (laughs) you know, and then we uh, got pregnant and I don't know if you experienced this when you got pregnant with Drew, but were you guys scared to even have sex while you were pregnant, you know, for fear of losing the baby? Mm, No. We didn't only because we miscarried early enough on that that never was like a thought in our mind. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like amazing. Well, no, it's amazing that you were able to just enjoy each other's presence and not have that fear. You know what I mean? Like while you're pregnant, because that can be obviously debilitating. And speaking of that, while we're on the topic of sex, I don't know. And if you guys aren't comfortable, you obviously don't have to answer. But Doug and I, after we had our first daughter, it hurt miserably to have sex. But you know, like we did it and it became pleasurable and it was fine. And then this second baby, like as we talked about on your podcast, it took me a very very long time to feel comfortable to have sex again. For you, Sean, what was it like postpartum? Maybe because you're a gymnast, I feel like maybe your body is used to, I don't know, like having babies, not having babies, but like, I mean, (laughs) you're obviously very strong, I feel like. So, but I don't know, was it a okay for you guys postpartum and sex? Um, no, I mean, it took a while. Well, for me, we walked through the desert there for, for a little stretch of time. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, it was scary at first, but I think it's just like PTSD for me. You know, I went through a lot of different experimental things trying to get Drew out. And that kind of gave me PTSD. So the idea of having sex again, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. This reminds me of birth. But it just took a while to find that comfort again. You know what? Explain to us a little bit about what you mean by the uh, experimental things getting Drew out. (laughs) Well, I was induced and then immediately into kind of like active labor. And I was in active labor for 17 hours. Wow. Natural. So I tried to do that unmedicated. Oh, my gosh, girl. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yes. And so they tried a lot of different things because she wasn't dropping at all. So we did like the Foley bulb. It's some form of torture. Nobody needs to go through that. Yeah. There was a lot of things. Um, they had to like, what was the the heart rate monitor, but it was attached to Drew. It was a fetal <laughs> scalp electrode. I'm a labor and delivery nurse, so I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fetal scalp electrode, yes. which is so sad for the baby because they literally not for nothing, but for those of you who aren't familiar with it, listening, they literally kind of like screw it into her scalp. And that sounds terrible. You know, she feels it, <laughs> but it's not yeah. as terrible as it sounds. But yes, I know what you're talking so about. Drew, she was a two vessel baby, like a two vessel oh, cord. Wow. Um, so she was a high risk delivery. And so because she was high risk, they really wanted to do that type of monitor. So through that, we did like the fully bulb and we did, which like they have to check your cervix. 
while right. the volleyball was already up there and, and, like, and you and, had yeah, no pain up. medication for any of this none of it oh my gosh so oh i'm sweating thinking about it so i went 17 hours she hadn't dropped at all and then finally i was like i think i want an epidural <laughs> um so i just went through all of that and then afterwards the thought of like having sex or anything coming near you know there i was like uh-uh get, thank stay you. away from me thank you because i feel like that's exactly how i felt so in a sense like i didn't go through the same thing you did but with hendrix we had a home birth and i didn't have an epidural and I did not go through nearly as much as you did. I actually had an amazing labor in the sense that like, it was very short. It was literally like three and a half, four hours tops. And he came out, but he was a big, big boy. And he really like tore me apart and I didn't have a very smooth recovery. And so I was a little mortified to try to have sex again. Like I didn't want anything going near there, like especially nothing going in there. Like I was like, no, like, yeah. it's off limits. Yeah. <laughs> No, I 1000% agree. And speaking of, you know, trying to conceive and hopefully you guys, I'm sending you lots of sticky, sticky baby dust with your second pregnancy and with COVID, because the whole reason we opted for a home birth was just because COVID was at its height. We didn't have a lot of information about it. And I was terrified that if my baby or if I caught it, we'd have to be separated from each other. So I decided because I had a very low risk pregnancy and also because I have a history in labor and delivery and I just did a lot of research and I just thought it would be best for us to do a home birth. Curious, like, have you guys gone that far as to like whether or not you may or may not want to deliver in the hospital given COVID and whatnot? So I, the first time, that was like my dream was to deliver at home naturally, unmedicated, whatever. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> if you don't clarify all, that, then. So yes. But after our experience, I think it'll be different as a second, but we had the best labor and delivery nurses ever, like life-changing nurses that I could not imagine not delivering like with them again, um, just because like they were our rock <laughs> and just made sure we were so comfortable and we understood everything and they just gave us such confidence. So I know it'll be different if like COVID is, you know, still a big factor. So yeah, I don't know. I want all of my labor and delivery nurses to come to our house then. I love that you say that because obviously, like I said, I'm a labor and delivery nurse and there's no better feeling as a nurse than having that profound of an impact on a mama in particular and the daddy too, but the mama in particular, when she's going through such a transition in her life, like it is literally like the most memorable moment of your whole entire life. Everyone loves your wedding, of course, but like when you deliver a baby, that's like a total game changer. And I'm so happy that you had such a great experience with your labor and delivery nurses. Yeah, they were everything. We ended up hiring one of them to be like a babysitter because we fell in love with her so much and she was looking for a babysitting job. <laughs> that's amazing. And Andrew, Andrew, were you in the room during the labor? Did you watch the baby come out? Yeah, dude. Oh. <laughs> yeah, home birth is a little bit different. Actually, uh, <laughs> on this note, I actually kind of want to talk to you guys because I feel like you're both very honest and I feel like men don't talk about their perspective after seeing the baby come out. So, Andrew, does that make you scared at all? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Well, let me tell you, the... Wait, did you actually see her come out? Did you peek over the curtain? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so Sean got a C-section. Yeah, we went to an emergency C-section after 22 hours. Right. Oh, man. I... And, and, like, they make the incision, and the head, like, pops 
out. Like, it's like, what the heck is happening? And then they pulled Drew out, and she was face down, purple as can be, not moving, not making a sound for like 15 seconds. And that was the most terrifying part to me where I, your emotions are so high, like every second feels like it's one hour. And yeah. so she was just like laying there on the doctor's palm. And then all of a sudden I hear the first cry and oh, my, it brings tears in my eye just thinking about it. Like what an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, I felt the same exact way. Once the baby comes out and you can't really prepare for what you're about to see, I can't speak to a C-section, obviously, but... Once the baby comes out, how purple and pussy and gooey <laughs> they are, it looks like the baby's not moving and you yeah. feel helpless as a guy because you don't know what to do. You don't know what to expect. But then once you hear that cry, once you hear that inhale and you see the baby start to move, it's like, that's the life-changing moment. That's the miracle oh, for, for me. And it was just incredible. Yeah. What a day that was. <laughs> so you guys are ready to do it again. I didn't realize, I had forgotten that you guys had an emergency C-section. That's so scary. You guys are such champs. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, thank you, Tammy. It, I appreciate I it. I will say, though, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, to like give more context, they called it an emergency C-section, but we weren't rushing. It wasn't like we need to get her out. It went fast. But it was like, she's stuck. She's not coming out this way. No, but let's go they do it. your water, so they had a running clock. They did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Was her heart but rate? It wasn't like some emergency C sections happen in like 30 seconds flat. Right. This happened over the course of like 10 minutes. Okay, yeah. So it was definitely an emergency in the sense that they didn't want you to catch an infection or her to catch any sort of infection, but you couldn't just like twiddle your thumbs and slowly roll back to the OR. But it wasn't yeah. like she was in any sort of distress, maybe, at the time? Yeah, so the Pitocin levels were so high that her heart rate was starting to be affected. They never made us feel like there was an emergency. I just remember the doctor coming in. She checked me. She said, yep, I think we need to do a C-section. Let's go do this. And literally, not even 10 minutes later, Drew was here. Oh, hold up. The last thing about seeing the baby for the first time, the head. When you see the head, you're like, what? Is there something <laughs> wrong? No. Well, like, Drew got stuck what? in my pelvis. No, so but she, most of the baby heads are weird like that. Yeah. It's like, I Cone hope shape. That, that fixes itself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying. They do. Babies look very weird when they come out. Yeah. They're like little aliens. Yeah. Now, the world wants to know, Andrew, have you tried breast milk? Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, have you not? No, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> Good. No, we're, yeah, we're doing it, man. I had to. It's like Sean spends five hours a day producing this stuff. I feel like it would be disrespectful <laughs> to not be a connoisseur. That's the difference between like and love, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, question for you. Have you tried your own breast milk? Absolutely not. What? Me either. No, me either. Me. That is well, weird. That's really I, funny. Like, I've, no. Yeah, same. I was like thinking maybe I should try it this time around because I never did with Henley. And I was like, maybe I'll miss out on that opportunity. So maybe I should give it a shot. But I'm like, I don't really have any desire to try it. Yeah, me either. I was like, you can go for it. But nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it tastes good. I'm just saying you're missing out. Well, what does it taste like, what? Andrew? It's like... Why are you asking me? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's not good. It's like, uh, I'm trying to think of what might... I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not saying it's accurate. I'm going to say like a bad... What's the soup? Miso soup. What? <laughs> that's, a, that's very interesting. I would suggest... 
putting Nestle Quick in it. Um, that's what made it taste good for me. A little chocolate sauce in it. <laughs> Aw, you guys are such a joy to chat with. You guys are so just so lovely and down to earth and so fun. I am genuinely sending you lots of sticky baby dust. Since you're trying but not trying, I hope that you get the shock of your life and you find out that you're pregnant very soon. I think that would be such a great blessing. But if not, you know, I'm rooting for you and hang in there. And I know that you know how it goes. So you don't need the little pep talk. But you guys seem like such great parents. I'm sure that Drew, I mean... I've seen your Instagram. I mean, she is so doted upon. You guys are so amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time out to come on Hot Marriage Cool Parents and chat with us. Thank you. We love you guys. You guys are awesome. Well, wait, before we let you go, I do want to ask, because you guys asked us similar questions when we were on your podcast, but as parents, are there any pet peeves that you have of each other in parenting? I feel like, I don't know if this is part of the course or not, but I feel like I'll see Sean do something that I might not agree with. And I'll be like, you know what? It's okay to do parenting differently. And I'll let it slide. I won't say anything. But then I feel like 40 times a day, she's like, hey, you're not doing that right. Hey, you're not doing that. I'm like, I don't say that. Does this matter though? Like, so that's one. <laughs> we literally had this argument like yesterday. <laughs> I was like, (laughs) I was like, you telling me what I should say after everything I say to my daughter is not helping me whatsoever. I just don't want to scar her little, her little mind. I'm like, I don't think that's healthy for her to hear that. Exactly. (laughs) It's so funny. What's one thing that you appreciate about each other as parents now to end it on a good note? Oh my gosh. Andrew is the most like carefree, doesn't care what other people say or think father, which I think is beautiful. Like he'll be the weirdest, most crazy, most free spirited person to her. And I think that's a beautiful thing for her to grow up and witness. Absolutely. Andrew? Sean is impressive in so many different aspects. She has put so much research and thought and effort into learning about how to be a mom, like as far as products goes, as far as style goes, as far as schedule and all these different things. Where it's like, if she didn't do that, then like if we were going based off of my knowledge, it would be a way different story and outcome. So I think that's amazing. And then I also just think she's such a great example for our daughter. So I'm thankful that you're around, babe. Thanks, baby. Aw, you guys, stop. <laughs> Listen, for everyone who's listening, if they don't already follow you, where can they find you guys and follow you? And also, where can they find your guys' podcast? Couple things. And Andrew, are you still doing Redirected? Because that was a great podcast. Yes. Yeah, so That's what I told him. Took a break this summer, but I think we uh, just released an episode this past week. So yeah. pretty great. Um, excited. But you can find us at the East Family on YouTube and Facebook. Sean's handles pretty much everywhere. Sean Johnson, Minor, Andrew D. East. We have a podcast that we host together called Couple Things that I'm not saying I'm as funny as you, Doug, but we have a good time over there. <laughs> and I also have my podcast called Redirected. I mean, I thought we were busy. You guys are busy. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I saw somewhere that you started a coffee line or are starting a coffee line. Yeah, you did. It's called Unicorn Coffee, right? We did. Yeah. So we're doing that too. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Coffee is like my favorite thing of the day outside of human interaction. (laughs) 
We're sending you some. Awesome. So how's it going real fast? Because I know you guys just launched it. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, launched a couple months ago. It's been a really fun project. So the whole inspiration behind it was most of our content is about family and people are always saying like, oh my gosh, I love your family, jealous or whatever. And so we were thinking about, okay, what is the reason that we are able to connect to whatever extent we are? And, you know, Sean and I have like not a ton of time, probably 15, 20 minutes in the morning over coffee that we feel like we're best connected. And so we wanted to give people all the tools that we could to try to have that connection with their friends and their family. So we give people the coffee, we give people like these kind of prompts and the little community to be a part of. And it's been really, really fun. That is incredible. And also just because I read about it and I'm all about it, you guys are finding like the most ethically sourced bean. You're really like taking care into where you're getting the beans and you know, you're making sure it's high quality coffee, which I think is incredible because for anybody who, and we won't go off on this tangent, but for you guys listening, there's a lot of different brands out there that don't pay attention to that type of thing. So you have to be careful of where your food is sourced from, but we won't go down that tangent. I think you guys are doing a fabulous job. We're definitely going to give this unicorn coffee a try because it sounds great. And you guys are wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you're so, so busy. So it's been so great to have them on our podcast, not once, but twice now. I mean, it just goes to show you how humble and how sweet they are. I mean... Yes, and we even had to reschedule with them, which is amazing that they still kept us going. Yeah, because they're just so sweet. As you can tell, they're so down to earth. And I just absolutely... I love them. I think they're great people. I think that they really take care in trying to be good people, like yeah. good humans. I don't make friends easily for whatever. Yes, you do. For what, well, I, I make acquaintances easily, but for some reason, I do feel connected to them. Like I feel like if Andrew and I were in closer proximity to each other, I feel like we would be friends. I feel like you choose not to make friends. Like Doug, you're really picky about who you let into your circle, which I kind of think is admirable because... I used to just let everybody in because I'm such a people pleaser, but you can't do that because you cannot let toxic people in your space. And I could see why you're letting him in your space, I guess, because he's just a like, what a great person. And same with Sean. They're just really good people. Yeah, they always have a positive message. Yeah. And not even like the athletes. I admire anybody that dedicates themselves to their craft. And to be a gold medalist, like that is the ultimate sacrifice. And that is like the peak of any athlete to get. Yeah. But not to mention the fact that she shares her struggles to get there. And 100%. Then, yeah. And she's able to overcome them. And now she has like a healthy relationship with her body and herself. And, yeah. and she's open enough to be able to say, I know that like in prepping for this interview, I read that she was really scared to get pregnant because she was scared that she was going to go through the eating disorder type issues again when her body's yeah. changing, when she's spent her whole life trying to be light so she could do the flips and, you know, the, I guess just flips <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> but um, I just think I'm really inspired by people like that. So yeah. I'm fangirling over them. I really like them. They really do have a fun podcast. So definitely yeah. check them out. A couple things. Yeah, they're so humble. They say, oh yeah, I'm not as funny, but I mean, they have thousands of five-star reviews on their podcast. And as you guys know, if you listen to my podcast, you know I'm big on the five-star reviews. Like before I listen to anything, this is why I ask, I guess, for you guys to leave a five-star review if you're enjoying our podcast. Because before I ever give anything a shot, I check to see the reviews. Like if the reviews aren't good, then I just don't even give it a shot because none of us have time for that. So that's why it means the world to us when you guys leave five-star reviews on our podcast because A, I know you took the time out. B, it shows others that, yes, this podcast is worthy of listening to. Yeah, but we also read them. So, you know, leave reviews if there's any way that we can improve or if you have any suggestions of who to bring on or what to talk about. We're more than happy to address anything, really. Absolutely. And please don't 
be the dope that leaves a one star review and like tells me how terrible I am because like just not interested in that. Why not? Because <laughs> I'm a people pleaser and that hurts my heart. So anyways, next week we have an amazing podcast coming at you. But until then, wear your mask, wash your hands, be and, nice. And wash your hands and wear a mask because we love you. Yeah, we love you. We don't want you to catch the COVID. And if you want to find us, Doug. Everything Hot Marriage Cool Parents, you can go to our Instagram handle at Hot Marriage Cool Parents, or you could check us out on Facebook or at Jamie N. Otis or at Doug Hainer. We love to hear from you. We love your reviews. We love your comments. We read all of them. We and- love you. Bye.